0: The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Family-owned Palermo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast, located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. If you ever visit New York, there's a warning you should know. Beware of Sleepy Hollow, it's a place you dare not go. For there is an age-old story that villagers believe is true about a ghastly specter who preys on the likes of you. Buried in the ancient churchyard is a trooper without a head, and in the gloomy moonlight he rises from the dead. Known as the Headless Horseman, he rides the road at night, forever searching for his head, He's such an eerie sight. They tell of a gangling teacher who courted a winsome miss, a wealthy farmer's daughter who promised a life of bliss. But she had another suitor, a formidable young man, who vied with the crafty Ichabod for the lovely maiden's hand. Rebuffed by his intended, Ichabod was riding home. Through the darkened woods, fearful and alone, when suddenly a rider came, his eyes grew wide with fear. He was the headless horseman, and he was drawing near. Faster and faster through the trees he chased poor Incabod Crane, who fled the village that same night and was never seen there again. Brought to you by WKTV, I'm Wayne Thomas. Welcome to another Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. To be on this show, you have to have certain requirements. <laughs> Spooky, weird, or strange. So that's what I use the criteria to pick my co-host.
1: Hi, I'm Kim Colleen, and I'm a normal co-host of the Grand Rapids Paranormal Podcast. Thank you for joining us tonight.
2: I'm uh, Brandon Jose of Kent County Paranormal, and a co-host of the Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Podcast.
0: Our very special guest, returner (laughs) Chetan Noir. Hi, Shetan.
3: Hi, so you guys have probably already heard my bio like a thousand times, but I'm Shetan Noir. Um, I run Into the Liminal Abyss Paranormal Podcast, but also uh, the Great Lakes Center for Unexplained Events and Phenomena. I am a author, a travel journalist, and my focuses are the paranormal, cryptozoology, and weird travels.
0: I think she left some stuff off.
3: Just a little I, I, bit. You know, I want to save time for everybody okay. else. Right.
0: And this special episode, we're going to talk about urban legends. Uh, hence, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, the poem by A.H. Sekowski. Great poem. It tells the story pretty complete. Here's two of your books. We're featuring these two books because cryptozoology is, you know, what you're into, mm-hmm. right? And you've been focusing on Bigfoot lately, but you also head up, Dogman of Mich- Michigan's dogman?
3: Yeah, I am the um lead investigator for the Michigan chapter of the North American Dogman Project. So, um I do a little bit of B- Bigfoot research, but I feel that there are people who are much more interested in it. And so, I focus on a lot of your more obscure um cryptids um p- particularly lake monsters. Um, that's one of my favorites and then dogmen and other um bigfoot I think is so commonplace that Mm -hmm. so many people investigate it um I kind of want to you know do research into things that uh the other things that go bump in the night Mm -hmm. okay right swim through the the seas or fly through the air so (laughs) yeah it seems
0: like some of the bigfoot people they're they're all bigfoot yeah. Uh, they're changing. That's, that's I think. their
3: whole focus. Is yeah. Bigfoot. They're,
0: they're, they're focused on Bigfoot. Yeah. Let's read the titles of your books mm-hmm. here. Can you see them, Kim? I
1: cannot. Can you,
3: uh, you know Lake them? Monsters and Odd Creatures of the Great Lakes is the one that uh, is being pointed to right now. Yeah. And then Mothman and Other Flying Creatures of the Midwest is my second book. And then you don't have my third book. I, well, now, I have your book. You're lucky that little Tegan's not here because she'd be so distraught with you.
0: Yeah, I have your third book, but I don't have it here because we wanted to feature these two. Yeah. Um, the other one is on spells, the one, the one I have.
3: Oh, uh, no, the the one I'm talking about is my my third, is that a bee? Nope, fly. Yeah, that's a big fly. Um, <laughs> big fly. Well, he plays in the park. Um, no, the, the third book in my Cryptid series is the children's book series that I started. Of Tegan Gray, my little miniature picture. Oh, goes right. Monster hunting, and the, the first monster she goes hunting is Bigfoot um, because he crashes her tea party. So, oh. Tegan is
0: your little pooch.
3: Yeah, I didn't bring her tonight um, just because uh, it's getting a little bit colder outside, and, uh, you know, she'll be like burying herself in whatever blankets she can find. Oh. So, you know. Yeah,
0: last night she was here with babies. I
3: know, they're 15 weeks old now. They're so cute.
0: Right. So, we're doing Urban Legends and i started out with sleepy hollow this pretty much this poem told the story pretty well and then brandon has a connection to sleepy hollow too he came to the table to, wanting to talk about sleepy <laughs> Hollow, so this worked yeah. out well i love it
2: yeah so mine i actually have like ancestors that were from well it's north terry town which was also called sleepy hollow now it's officially like sleepy hollow that area there but it was kind of called that it just wasn't officially the town name um yeah so like my end i know was actually related like my family's kind of like some of my family members are married into the van tassels as well so it's kind of all you know that connection there um so yeah so i wanted to cover some of the stories i don't know if you want to because i think you had some of the stuff you want to cover some like the older european legends well yeah and i just wanted i wanted to
0: find out from our guest if they you know what they knew of the of the legend if if they thought it was true or not
3: um i guess with the legend of Sleepy Hollow, anything's possible because um, that happened uh, so long ago. You don't really know um, the different elements that were really part of it. You, we have the legend, we do have um, people who lived in the area who claim by it, but um I have to say my my knowledge of Sleepy Hollow um, pertains to the Scooby-Doo episode. Oh yeah, <laughs> and um, the movie that came out uh, where the uh, the headless horseman just kept on pursuing everybody and yeah, so the one um, with Johnny Depp in it, yeah, right. yes. Jim Barton's Yes, version. and so um, and because it's a it's a um, East Coast. Um, urban legend, um, that's kind of out of my wheelhouse. I really focus on like the Great Lakes area mm-hmm. and uh, the stuff that we have going on around here because mm-hmm. I have more access to it. Sure,
0: yeah. Now, I like the Disney's version myself, the cartoon oh, yeah. version. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one I think was even before Tim Burton's. Um, that, oh, right. way before. Right, or, yeah. But you know, it's, uh, well, it's legend. It's American folklore. It's a gothic short story by Washington Irving. That's what the, the, um, the version of Sleepy Hollow is. But the Headless Horseman actually goes back to the Middle Ages stories of the Headless Horseman. So uh, Washington wasn't, it wasn't unique in his story. It, it had been told. Ireland has a legend. The Scottish have their version. The English have a version of the Headless Horseman. But there are half-truths because there wasn't actual Hessian soldier. Now, Hessian, they were actually they were like German soldiers. Yeah, they
2: were mercenaries. The British hired right from Germany to come over and and to fight. Hired from the you know the German gang to come over and fight. And then they were kind of you known as very voracious, kind of very you know bayonets, you know very <laughs> stuff like that. And like a lot of it, like and a big backstory of it is where Sleepy Hollow is located. That area of New York, the British, uh, the Americans originally held New York, but the British conquered New York City. And then the Americans were on the outside. Sleepy Hollows right in between where the British and the American line. So it's no man's land at the time of the Revolution. So at the time you actually had, and where the, the Headless horseman, another one where it comes in with the Van Tassel connection, is, it was like during that time they actually, a lot of times the Hessians and the, the Tories would go and burn Loyalist houses houses down that happened to like a lot of the different of uh, my family members that were kind of there the British would just come in and just burn if they knew you were a patriot they're burning burning you out and the Van Tassel one was one of their homes got burned and one of the Hessian soldiers it was the Hessians and the, and the Tories but one of the Hessian soldiers actually went and um, after the house was burned because like the there was a mother and, a, and an infant daughter were freezing it was like you know a really cold night, so he actually went back and he went into the burning house and got them blankets and stuff like that, so and coats, so that way they could cover up, so that way they wouldn't freeze to death. Out I there. didn't
0: know you were going to have a family connection to mm-hmm. this.
2: Yeah, that's why I wanted to do it because I had to have the connection yeah. to the Sleepy Hollow. And, and then there
0: was there wasn't
2: an Ichabod there, Crane. There was a, there was a person named Ichabod Crane. Whether right. that was more coincidence. That um, it, it's believed it was much more based on his friend Jesse Merwin, who was actually a school schoolteacher, um, based on some of his ones, and he actually had a um, a, a horseman uh, race or being chased by it. But what the actual one was, because at the time, in the in the Headless Horseman or the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, it's more it's the competitor. It's believed more it's more Brom Bones is. The one that you know chases him to try to scare him away from Katrina Van Tassel, and but what and his one was actually he he was like seeing this girl and he wouldn't propose to him. So back then they actually had this tradition that's called the I don't know exactly how it's pronounced, but it's like chivalry. So mm-hmm. one of his friends was Abraham, which is where Brahm and he actually chased after him because they used to do that to try to scare, to try to make people either propose or break up. You know, that was kind of a tradition back then. Because, like, okay, you've, you've been dating her long enough. It's time to pop the question. Mm-hmm. So him and some of his other friends actually chased after him on their horses. <laughs> wow. And then they, start, they started laughing at him, and then they knew who it was, you know. So that's actually where the headless horseman chased. There actually was a true version of that that actually had happened. Well, I
0: thought there was an actual Hessian soldier that was, there was. De- decapitated. There was.
2: He, that was the Hessian soldier that went in to the Van Tassel ones. Like later on they found his body without a head. Yeah. And then it was believed the Van Tassels actually like buried had his body, paid for to have his body buried. As a way of thanking them for you know, thanking him for going rushing into the building too. So he was fighting
0: them. against the Americans. He had his head taken off by a cannonball mm-hmm. during the Battle of White Plains. And it was around Halloween seventeen seventy-six. And he was buried in the old Dutch church, mm-hmm. in what was Terrytown. They actually renamed the area later in
2: 1996 it was officially renamed Sleepy Hollow but it was kind of known as Sleepy Hollow well before even before Washington Irving I didn't and know Washington we gonna- <laughs> Irving himself is actually buried in the old Dutch church okay. cemetery as well <laughs> I didn't
0: know we were going to cover this this deep yeah that's cool that you <laughs> yeah. that's you, had, that's deep. you. and I had the yeah. same idea and this poem was great this poem mm-hmm. told the story yeah. so well Yeah. Now. We got to hear from our special guest. I'm sure she has stories. I don't oh. think she had to research too much. I think this <laughs> is all <laughs> in her head. This is all yeah. real
3: life for you. Unfortunately, it's just like, yeah, okay. So um, do you want me to do all three of mine or just one of them? Well, you do one. I
0: mean, then we'll move on and okay. let's hear what Kim has, has one.
3: Okay. So I think the first one I wanna do is the Lake Superior mermaid. Ooh, mermaid. And so this legend actually dates back to the 1700s. And the legend goes that a fur trader had hired a um, Native American squaw um, woman uh, to help him, guide him and navigate around the different um, island chains of Lake Superior And the coastlines because they were fur trapping so they just happened to have stopped on pie island which is in between um isle royale and the canadian border and as they were making camp the men spotted what they thought was a beaver at the time um, out in the water and so they were paying close attention to it because obviously beaver pelts are worth money so They were making plans to kill it until the Native American um, woman took notice of it and said, no, no, no. It's bad enough that we've even seen this creature. We have to get away from the lake shore. And they said, what are you talking about? And she said, that is not a beaver. That is the water god of Lake Superior. And so some debating went back and forth and they were saying, no, it's a beaver and eventually this creature raises up out of the water and has the brownish like a brownish tan skin but he has the upper torso of a human and quite obviously the the um lower part of a fish and he proceeds to you know acknowledge them and by now the native american lady is just beside herself because this is very, very bad. Not to mention the men are all pointing guns at this creature ready to pull the trigger. And she's like, no, no, we need to leave it alone. We need to get as far away from the shore as possible because this Manitou, uh, which is the Native American um, word for, for gods, this Manitou now has taken notice of us and a storm will be coming so she immediately retreated into the woods and started making camp uh as far away from the the edge of the island the lake shore, as she could and so the men eventually followed and for the next three days a tremendous gale swept over lake superior to the point where it was damaging their ships and it was only until the third day came and things settled down that they truly started to believe um, what the Native American woman had been telling them, and started showing some respect to the Native American legends that that abound in in our Great Lakes area, because they had encountered the Great Manitou of Lake Superior, and uh, if they had shot at him, things would have been much much worse. Yeah. Oh
0: wow! What that's. Incredible story. Yeah,
3: that's a good. Story. We
0: have such a background here in this state with the Native American Indians. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought maybe that's to be something you'd see in Florida, like a, a manatee.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, different places around the globe have different um, water creatures, myrrh people. And so this one is actually um, really interesting because it's, it's in our own Great Lakes. Right. Um, and it was seen by a whole hunting party, uh, and a Native American, um, and that's the reason why they didn't shoot at it because she just, you know, was like, you shoot at it. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm leaving. This is, you know, nothing you want to mess with. And so she finally convinced them to come inland, um, because when the storm came, it was ferocious. Mm
0: -hmm. Is there documented evidence to support that?
3: Only the eyewitness reports that, that go along with the, the legend itself. Um, the Lake Superior, it's, uh, you know, I, I always say there's no sharks or whales in, right. in the Great Lakes, but uh, it would not su- surprise me if something huge was swimming in the lakes and we didn't know it. Right. Because Lake Superior is an inland sea, and it's just so massive.
0: Yeah. Cryptozoology, you know, the whole definition is, unsubstantiated but so often it is substantiated and by reputable people whether it's sea captains or police mm-hmm. or whatever and and, it, and there's w- multiple witnesses so I mean the whole definition of cryptozoology. I wonder sometimes it just doesn't fit because there are a lot of people Maddie is Shatan's mic picking up good because she's a ways away okay Maddie Court's with us this week, so we get different. I can
3: move it closer. Is that we're, better?
0: We'll, we'll get different uh, shots this week. Maddie's with us.
3: <laughs> Yay.
0: Yeah, so cool. Yeah. Ah, that's a good story.
3: Good story. Yep. Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: Good, good legend for local, too. Yeah. Kim, what, you got something? Oh, there?
1: yes, I do. Um, so I live in Howland, Michigan, uh, and the Felt Mansion and the Legend of the Melon Heads uh are kind of a popular legend about where i grew up and still live today so um if if nobody's familiar with felt mansion it actually is in holland and it's sort of i don't know if you can pick up on this but this is what it looks like it's got 25 rooms okay three floors and a huge ballroom and a carriage house. It's it's massive, right? So the story is, um, and this is true, that the the Felt Mansion was built in 1928 by a man named Dor Felt, and it was supposed to be their summer home, basically, for him and his wife Agnes. And sadly, after about six weeks after moving into the mansion, she died, and. All we know right now is there's other legends that go along with her death. Um, but we do know the story is that um, she died in her bedroom. Um, like I said, six weeks after they moved in. and then unfortunately, um, her husband Dor died a year and a half later. So they didn't get to, you know, spend a lot of time in the mansion. And the family actually kept the mansion. Um, until 1949, and then the descendants uh, sold it, and then it became a Catholic prep school for young men, and then later on, uh, nuns had lived in it. And then in the late 1970s, it became a prison. So, um, kind of going towards what I want to talk about with my urban legend is the Melon Heads. And the story of the Melon Heads is that. They live around the property area, and that is, the woods has has served as a hiding place for them. Now, even now, um, many say that these large headed beings are actually, and I'm gonna show you guys a picture of what the melon heads supposedly look like, Okay. So that's, they had these really large brains, and it was actually called um, hydrocephalus, which is called Waterhead Syndrome. Um, And the legend says they were mistreated and had experiments conducted on them during the time um, that they were at the junction and same asylum, which is right near where the mansion was built. And at some point, Um, Something had happened where these children were were released or kicked out of the asylum, and they escaped into the woods, which is now, I believe, like Allegan Woods um, in that area. And these these melonheads developed a society of their own and started living in basically underground caverns. Um, And one version says that the original group of the children who had been experimented on had gone back to the asylum, murdered the doctor that had mistreated them, and chopped his body into pieces, which were then scattered and buried around the mansion grounds, specifically probably in the wooded area. So some people still claim to see the melon heads near uh, Felt Mansions, some people call them wobble heads. visitors and late-night explorers have reported seeing uh, strange noises, heavy breathing, footsteps, shadows darting through the darkness. Um, So whether you believe melon heads are real or not, it's a cool legend and it's spooky. They've done ghost hunts back there before, the Felt Mansion has, and uh, uh, you can determine yourself if you believe in melon heads. oh there that. has
0: to be a certain amount of truth to this to this I mean it's not just true
1: okay so the truth is the the boys school um, people had it was like a privileged society and people had labeled him labeled the boys that went to these school as smarties you know hey you've got a big head you're so smart you know, and kind of that's where it all started from. Yeah,
2: it was like a boy's seminary school after after that was sold. Before, like, the there was a, well, I think it was a police headquarters. It and the was. prison was in the back. Yep. The prison was what, every, what got turned into, all of a sudden, now it's the legend. It became the insane asylum. But it was right. actually like kind of some of the remains of the prison that was back there. So
1: whether there's real life, um, whether there's real life creatures like this, you know, it's a legend.
0: I think they're, I really think there are real, they're they're real. And but see,
3: this legend is not just Michigan based because right. yeah, you're right. Ohio, say. Pennsylvania, yes. Yep. Yes. Kentucky, um, mm-hmm. a lot of states have um, very similar yep. urban legends. Like um, almost every state has a cry baby bridge um, legend or the, the tennis shoe, um, you know, tree legend. Almost every single state has a similar version, and I have come across the report of the melon heads yeah. um, in several different states. And the the story gets you know changed some of the details yeah. here and there, but it's always um, a group of young children, possibly related, who who all have this physical yep, affliction, yep. and they've they've um, either been se- sequestered to a insane asylum or something like that they're mistreated they escape and Mm -hmm. then they they set up a colony of their own so i found i i have found similar tales in in several different states yeah i did read
1: about the one it's not only in michigan but like you said i did read about the ohio one as well during my research
2: two other states that even have like the same doctor name the same same story like (laughs) even to that point where it's the same you know i know it might
1: have been
0: x-files I'm not sure if it was. It should have been if it wasn't. There but was a
1: movie made about it, too. Okay. So.
0: Yeah. But what's cool is we're about 15 minutes from the Felt Mansion. Yeah. I mean, we're close. Yeah, totally. We're in Kent County, but we're real close to Allegan County. Yeah, this is in totally. Allegan County. Yeah, and Brenda, uh, Brandon's got connections to this, too.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the curator, the one that, re- like, repaired it is actually, like, a second cousin patty meyer mm. are you related to everybody yeah pretty much yeah you're
1: related to patty meyer yeah, yeah her really last name is Pat patty Bacon. meyer jose oh i didn't know that yeah
2: or jose meyer i should say okay, patty jose meyer. okay. we went to Saint. hyphenated name
0: <laughs> we went to saint cecilia downtown the music center and brandon's looking on the pictures on the walls he goes oh yeah i think i'm related to her <laughs> Yeah, well
2: the
3: See, names, he's, yeah. He's this show's version of Kevin Bacon. He's like, like, <laughs> right you know, yeah. steps away from everybody. Everybody's related. And they oh did some gosh. acting
2: am so only 3 degrees removed from Kevin Bacon and everything <laughs> oh movies. <my> God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, wasn't your didn't your group go out there to the mansion though recently? We
2: did uh recently we had like 12 different we had um uh, Darren joined us out there as well as well as some other people and It it was a fun night going to investigate. I don't know if we really got much. Um we did have an interesting Estes session on the carriage house where I kept repeating over that um, that when they were building the building up on the hill, and which I'm not sure if it was referring to the prison because the prison is like up the hill from the mansion. The mansion's up the hill from the carriage house, so right. it's kind of, you know, the three tiers. But it says, like, when they were building the building up on the hill, somebody was murdered on the side of the house in a conspiracy over money. It's like I wanted to tell people, but I couldn't. Hmm. So, but I kept, like, repeating that story over and over during the S's, like, you know, coherent sentences going through. So, I found that very interesting. I don't know what the truth of that is or what really happened I there. I found it very interesting, though.
0: Yeah, Dar- he's talking about Darren Dykos from yeah. Lakeshore Paranormal, mm-hmm. one of our good friends. Darren's been here four times, and now Shatan, you have been here four times on our show.
3: I know. That's
0: right. I so, like. between you and Darren, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>
3: We love both of appearances. Yeah, we love both you. You
0: got to make sure you get on the calendar for next year and keep ahead of Darren. That's right. now. Yeah. That's
3: right. Well, just give me the dates and you know keep playing around it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right.
0: We'll we'll get you we'll yeah. get you back here for sure because you always got interesting things to talk about. Now, because I'm the devil, I included the Jersey Devil in one of my urban legends, and it's a legendary creature uh, reported in pine barrels, uh, South New Jersey, Philadelphia, pine barrels um what did i say you said pine barrels yep pine barrens yeah Yeah. Yeah. okay and it's a flying cryptid so it's right up Chitans alley with hooves um they have plaster cast of the hooves it's a dragon like which the dragon lady is with us tonight so there's been various renditions i've I've seen one i think that a school kid did it was great i mean it was an x-files episode it was episode uh, five on x-files it's uh 19th century setting a naval commander blew a hole in it they said but it didn't do it any any damage at all just kept on coming with a big hole in it and uh, it was in 1840 to 1841 a sheep and chickens were disappearing and it's known for its piercing scream Mm. and but the hooves the hooves is what got me and then the fact that they had plaster
3: Mm. uh, cast
0: of the hooves so anything to add to the Jersey well, devil.
3: no. so the the legend of the Jersey devil begins with Mother Leeds. Um, All right. Yeah, I didn't even get to, to that her part. Her 13th child 13th and child. upon it being born, she curses it, which is never good. And it quickly develops into this um, demonic creature um, with wings, hooves, a yeah. horse's head. And I don't believe I does it kill the midwife? It does something to the midwife and then it escapes up the chimney and uh, from then on, it's, it's a um, part of the Pine Barrens, you know, um, landscape um, with becoming one of their, what I call a, a small town monster or hometown monster. It's kind of their claim to fame. Now, the thing you have to keep in realization with, with the accounts of finding like the tracks and stuff like that in that area, area, you obviously have horses. Deer. You have Deer. You have House, moose, right. which all are cloven hooved or have hooves and can leave a track. So just because you find tracks in the woods, um, they, they would have to be very phenomenal for me to believe that it was a cryptid creature. Um, also in that area, you have your raptor birds, like um, different kinds of eagles, hawks, owls, um, all that have a large wingspan. So there again, we can't, you know, just discount somebody seeing something flying through the woods because um, where I live in Livingston County, we actually have bald eagles now, mm-hmm. which never in my lifetime do we have bald eagles. And now every time I let my 15 week old uh, Minpin toy poodle puppies outside, they go outside with my 150 pound mastiff so that if there is something lurking in the trees, like a raptor, a bald eagle, they puppies have some type of you know yeah. uh, protection. Right. I'm also out there too, but, It's just the fact that we have seen birds of prey with very large wingspans flying around our house. And to the point where this summer, I was helping my dad um, in his driveway do something. And I just happened to look up and I could have sworn there was a pterosaur flying above our pole barn. And I was like, dad, dad, look, look, look. And he looks up and, and he's like, yeah, it's a heron. I'm like, yeah. But if you didn't know that was a heron, you would say that was a that, right. that was was a pterosaur. Oh yeah, they're huge. because of the way that their necks and heads from underneath. The way that you're looking at them, the head and the neck, the wingspan, the for, the shape of the wings, and then the fact that they 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 had their their legs like behind them together, and then it makes a almost like like um a doubles point on the tail. If you're just standing there watching this, and you're only getting like a 30-second view, you're like, "Crap, that's a that's a pterosaur in modern day." Actually, it's it's a sandhill crane or it's a, a um, heron of some type. So, with with eyewitness reports, you have to kind of take into, um, especially if it's not, if it's not documented in the fossil record, you kind of have to take into account what other natural occurring species are in that particular location and i don't try to to be a cynic i don't try to you know um uh you know like criticize anybody's evidence but i'm also you know uh look at things from a a detective point of view and um what else is around that it could be you know compared to so you know was the jersey devil born out of mother Leeds, and did it escape up the the chimney pipes and still haunts the pine barrens to this day uh i guess uh maybe let's take a road trip to yeah. pine barrens <laughs> yeah. Uh... yeah there
0: there are some real world explanations for some of these <laughs> things and you point them out in your books uh very nicely and you go back to the some of the prehistoric things too but this is a sensational story, like you said. Mother Leeds, expecting her thirteenth child, wishes the child be a spawn a devil, and they say they witnessed it. It was born a healthy boy. It sprouted wings, a tail, hooves, and flew away. That's okay. the story. So it's a sensational story made for a good X Files. Uh, anybody else want to, another one they want to bring up? Because I have three pages.
2: You can go on to another well, one. Well,
0: yeah. okay. When Exie was here, she on her way home.
1: We her. Yeah, I know. we did too. <laughs>
0: When Exie was here on her way home, she saw an owl, and then we talked about it. An owl is, you know, a symbol or a sign of, of things. And usually, in most places, people consider it a bad omen. However, a white owl has a particular meaning of good luck. A black owl is, has to do with uh, awakening. But the thing is, owls are like accompany death, and... A dead owl if you find a dead owl that's the worst of all oh boy yeah because that means that it's not just a death it's your death Uh, and, and so if you dream of an owl that's approaching death if you see a flying owl it's family problems coming and uh i mean she didn't want to buy into it when she told me about it and she goes well i believe it's other things and other people did believe that it could be a good thing um like i said white owls good luck there was an Indian tribe, the Apache believed that you died and you came back as an owl. So yeah. An owl's like has a legend like a black cat. Mm-hmm. Bad luck. But isn't it's kinda of like
3: But it depends on what part of the, the, the world you're from because right? people of European descent believe that owls represented wisdom. Wisdom. Right. And the Native Americans in in North America believe that they were very bad luck. And that seeing uh, these large owls meant that you were were going to face either hardship or somebody was going to die. So it really depends on what part of the world you're from and what your belief system is. If you were to ask me, before I did research on my Mothman book, if you were to ask me, well, what do owls represent to you? I would have said wisdom. Sure. You know, because of the influences of the Harry Potter, you know, owls in there and, and different elements like that. I would have said they represent wisdom, but knowing now that the Native Americans saw them as a sign of, of um, impending doom, that kind of changes my, my you know thought system on that.
0: So yeah, I mean, it's no worse than seeing a black cat walking under a ladder or spilling salt, if you buy into that. Yeah, it, it means death in Africa, Middle East and Native American tribes. In Mexico, it stands for darkness, magic uh, at night and death. It's also on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. So that's owls. I mean, I, I thought that was interesting that Ex, that Exie saw an owl on her way home from here. And then Brandon had an experience here. And Exie says there's a couple spirits here in this building. So whether, probably attached to the property. So. I,
3: have, I have a quick story about Etsy. She'll probably kill me for this Exie later. Susan Smith. <laughs> I love her so yes. much. So I first met Exie, um A couple of years ago, we were doing the the Houghton Paranormal Conference and we were roommates at these little cabins. Mm -hmm. So um, I have my little, you know, Tegan with me. I'm sorry that I didn't bring her tonight. She's usually a dragon. Um, So we were getting along and and, like, uh, anytime like we'd walk past Exie's room or she'd walk into the bathroom, Tegan would do this, at her. And so we, we do Friday night, we get back, we go to sleep. And so we both were driving separately. So we both left, you know, within a few minutes of each other, to get to um, the Anchor Inn, where the event's being held. And so I'm sitting talking um, to everybody there, and I decided, oh, I'm gonna, you know, go use the restroom before, mm-hmm. you know, um, we get ready for the day. So I didn't know that Etsy was already in the larger stall. So I just go in. And I'm sitting on the stall and Tegan's sitting on my lap. And then we hear something in the next stall. And Tegan is, is uh, she is a dragon. She might look like a minfin, but she is a dragon. <laughs> Jumps off my lap and she's, uh, she, she's looking, she, you know, she's growling at it, So she slowly sneaks forward. And then all of a sudden she, she shoots herself underneath the, the stall wall and it's a good thing etsy was still sitting <laughs> on the toilet seat because yeah. she got the scare of her life oh, because she gets like ar, 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 ar. And she, uh, oh my god she gets, stop that don't you do that <laughs> i'm like etsy and she's like yeah shatan yeah okay she's like that was scary because this bathroom is actually haunted and I thought the thing that haunts the <laughs> oh, yeah. bathroom was coming underneath the stall door to get me. Oh man. And so we had a we had a good laugh but it was it was uh one of those two times where my dog actually pranked both of us. Oh, yeah, you know, me and another person. So that's my my fun story. With
0: Everywhere Etsy goes. I, mean,
3: <laughs> I love her dearly. She's she's so wonderful. She was um, I got a new cat this this summer who is a Cheshire cat. And until she likes you, she will disappear at will. And it became a weekly thing of where the cat go. So I'm like contacting uh, Etsy and my and my friend Cheryl Lynn. And I'm like, do you guys pick up on the cat? And she's like, yeah, it looks like this. I'm like, N- no, no. That's the cat that's actually in my parents' part of the house. My cat's a blinks point. So it, it was a fun, fun, fun psychic tag and go seek with a cat. So. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Exie would appreciate this.
1: <laughs> yeah, she would.
0: Well, that's a great story. I know she. you guys have... Uh, had the rooms together. She talked about yeah. that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I had another one because obvious reasons, Fort Wayne. Oh, yes. Fort Wayne, Detroit.
2: might want to turn that off.
3: Nobody's going to hear us. <laughs>
0: he wants to be part of the show here?
1: Now watch. She won't turn off. There we go.
0: Yeah. Fort Wayne, for obvious reasons. See, my name is Wayne. Yeah in detroit near detroit area um detroit river it's one mile from canada they built it and they discovered 900 plus year old native american indians buried there well they built they built it anyway and so obviously they uh, have unrest native american indians there they're they're not at rest and they have civil war soldiers also that march in that area Teams have been in there, reported footsteps, uh, human-shaped shadows, voices, doors opening, closing, all the poltergeist typical stuff. Uh, Early morning apparitions, ghost conversations. The visitor's bathroom and the ladies' bathroom is especially haunted. So yeah, in 1900s it was discovered, the Indian burial ground. So that's close, I mean, that's close to us. That's a Michigan connection. Mm Right over in Detroit. So I've never been there, but it sounds like they, they report reported as one of the most uh, haunted places
2: in Michigan. Hmm. It's on one yeah. of those lists. So I think it's been some ghost hunters and some of those different ghost shows. I know they've investigated there, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I believe it was more, it would be more like Revolutionary War, French Indian War kind of time period. I believe with that fort. Um,
3: well, you might be thinking of um, River Raisin.
2: Yeah, River Raisin, when I went and checked that area out, too. But I think Fort Wayne was about that same time period, I believe, as well.
0: I thought there was a Sauk, Fox Indian tribe uh, connection there, which a lot of these Indians were just completely massacred. And it's no wonder if they might be not at rest or they might want some vengeance. You know, they have some unfinished business with the white man. It's no wonder. And it wasn't just the white man that was wiping them out. They were fighting against each other. It wasn't uncommon for entire hunting parties to disappear. I mean, they, they want to blame Bigfoot for it. You know, Bigfoot ate them or they just, they never came back, they just disappeared. And we chased tribes right out of Michigan. Uh, the Sauk was one of them, what was left of them. They ended up moving out of state. We still left with you know the whole Michigan is named it's all Indian names mm-hmm. all, all mm-hmm. around us we our background we may not have stuff like you might find uh, in cultures like in Europe but we do have a lot of stuff happening here in Michigan whether it's this all this water that surrounds us that energy that you get from from water that spirits seem to be able to use whether it's the magnetic field that's under Michigan I don't know but this is this is a spooky area I used to hand out a flyer that had locations that were known for being haunted, and on there I had a whole list of things. Um, Hospitals uh, were on that list. Brothels were on that list, uh, commonly haunted. Um, Old buildings like hotels, battlefields, um, schoolyards, churches, museums, cemeteries. And I added, I found out this list was incomplete after going out to the Belding Library and then finding out that Hackley Library was reported haunted. So I added to that list libraries, but also found out that the list was incomplete because all these ships that these people are going to recently that are haunted, and the different hauntings on the ship, so I added that. But the latest entry to this list of haunted places is roads. Roads, roads in michigan Ooh. i have 13 on my list <laughs> uh we, we can't talk about them all but we've had ben goldman yeah. in here yep. with afterlife road he talked about some of them and some of them like the seven gables road you know they say that is one of the most haunted roads in michigan and they talked about the lady in white with blood on her dress now this lady must get around <laughs> this lady in white <laughs> Because she's on three or four different roads here. This lady in white, and then blood on her dress.
2: And that's another Sleepy Hollow one too. Is the lady in white is another Sleepy Hollow ghost story, and the ghost of John Andre, or uh, of Andre, uh, the one who turned Benedict Arnold too. The the tree there is the or the John Andre tree.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: So yeah. yeah. This lady well, even, in white, even there, they have a lady in white too. <laughs> She's all
0: over the place. Yeah, so I just I read just what's on this list, and then we, we'll move on to uh, one of Shatan's. But well, I won't get into the details yet. But Seven Gables Road, Dice Road, which Ben was in here and talked about that one. That one is maybe um, is on the list of one of the most haunted places. Blood Road, he talked about, and they say that one is. Um, Worship—they had witches and devil worship, and and they get puddles of water that turn to what looks like blood in that area. Um, Four on the list was Denton Road Bridge. There are a few bridges, and then the the Blue Lady there, and the lady with the lantern. Morrow Road, lady dressed in white with the blood stains. Sawyer Road, Robson Road, Saint. Auburn uh, Street in Detroit, North Adams Road in Addison, Hatchet Man Road. You might have heard that one. It's a patch on 28th Avenue between M40 over by Goebbels near Kalamazoo. And they see uh, dark shadows. The, the stories always vary a little, you know. There's more than one story that goes to these urban legends. Geddes and La Forge in Ypsilanti. Perch River Bridge in Saginaw, Hell's Bridge. Now, they talk about that one as the road because it's the whole area. And now Kim and yeah. Brandon went out to Hell's Bridge with mm-hmm. Ben. Yep. And out there, you're supposed to be able to hear the devil.
1: At midnight. Yeah. yeah and then
0: also, you hear children s-
1: screaming. Sc- yeah. Yeah, we didn't quite stay till midnight. Uh, the heat and the bugs, I think, were getting to you us. We'd find after a fisherman, a but. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, there was like a, someone fishing or canoeing or something yeah, like that. Yeah, somebody was
2: fly fishing out there when we, yeah, was like, so oh, it, somebody's coming. Oh, there it is. Fly fisherman. Uh, got us all excited there for. That a while. stream must be bigger than what I thought. Well, it's kind of I think it's like a stream that kind of goes to like a river, I think. Okay. Yeah, so like he kind of came from the river and was parked up at the uh, the parking spot so he kind of went made his way down there toward to mm-hmm. the river.
0: We've covered Hell's Bridge pretty thoroughly I on this program. So. We've talked about it on our last podcast. Mm-hmm. with the Reverend Duchesne.
1: Yeah.
0: And they they tried to break down some of the stuff that didn't quite add up right.
1: right. Yeah.
0: So rather, you know, rather than get into all the details, because some of them are common, like I say, in, in these roads, but there's a lot of them. My list has 13, and I know there's, there's more that are on the list. But so, I mean, you can just drive around. You don't even have to get out of your car, apparently, right. and <laughs> yeah. have a paranormal
1: experience. And look for experience. a woman in white covered in blood.
2: Well, it's like in Hell's <laughs> Bridge too. It's another crybaby bridge yeah. too. You know, it's another one of those legends that's all over the place too. Right.
0: So, Chitan you got another one? So for us? I
3: do, and it actually ties in with Detroit. Um, and this is the legend of the Nain Rouge.
0: All right. So the little devil.
3: Yes, but what a lot of people don't realize is the story and legend of the Nain Rouge does not begin in Detroit. It actually begins in. New France, which was Quebec um, when Cadillac, you know, was there and-
0: Another Indian, Cadillac.
3: No, he was actually a French uh, fur trader, or he was was French, um, but he had been commissioned to go to the Detroit area, or today's Detroit area, and establish a fort and a trading post. Now on the night that he is he is being celebrated, an old uh, gypsy fortune teller appears at the door, complete with a cat, and she proceeds to tell him that he will be successful in life as long as he doesn't anger the Nain Rouge. So they they travel from Quebec area, they cross the Detroit River, they tear down a bunch of Native American um, monuments, sacred mounds, stuff like that to build Fort Detroit or Detroit, uh, as they, they would call it. So they build this fort and for a while, everything is great until Cadillac and his uh, wife hear people complaining that things are not going as expected, it's much too costly to live there and that the Nain Rouge has been sighted and so within a short period of time after uh, Cadillac and his wife hear this um, gossiping going on, on as they're walking along the Detroit river who should he encounter but the Nain Rouge who pops out of the the countryside with a long stick and proceeds to challenge Cadillac to a a stick fight of sorts so um being very ungentlemanly uh cadillac proceeds to beat the Nain rouge within an inch of his life and the Nain rouge curses detroit and makes his way off and so to this day uh we have a parade every third uh sunday in march to celebrate the Nain Rouge, give him his, his glory, and then we throw him in a car and drive him to Toledo and kick him out. Uh, <laughs> but legend goes that he has been, every single time that there has been a catastrophic um, event in the Detroit area, the Nain Rouge has been cited and has been blamed for it. Now, some people have a different take. Some people think that he is warning us of impending danger but we are just not picking up on him and that he is a nature spirit and he is trying to help protect the natural surroundings um of the detroit area on the flip side of that people think that he brings it with them you know when when he cited there's been ice storms there's been three-day blackouts there's been riots there have been all kinds of catastrophes and calamities that are associated with the Nine rouge and it's been a couple of years since a sighting's been, you know, been made. But honestly, in this day and age, people don't really—they um, don't really pay attention. So, with the Nain Rouge's description being a child-sized creature with um, reddish skin, yellow glowing eyes, um, matted hair and wearing um you know ragged you know dirty clothes um a lot of people would just walk by him and see him as a homeless person Hmm. and not really pay attention uh, unless he hits you with a stick and then of course you're going to be you know hey why did you do that and you're going to take notice or unless he's doing something really um like uh extraordinary to get your attention like climbing up an electrical pole or um you know dancing down the street you know uh Uh, snickering at people Um, kind of almost like a joker mentality with that (laughs) and so with the Nain Rouge you kind of um, I guess it depends on what side of the the you know you're on is he is he warning us of danger or is he bringing the danger with him and just stoking the fire as he goes
0: It kind of parallels Mothman where they don't know if it's yeah impending doom or yes. whether they're actually bringing the disasters to Yeah, there. we don't know if
3: it's a harbinger or, you know, the, the Nain Rouge and the Mothman fall into that category where um, catastrophic events are associated with them, but it depends on your point of view. You don't know if they're warning of it or if they're they're the cause of it. So it really just depends on the way you interpret things and how, you know, your mindset is. So, um, like I said, we, we have a parade. Uh, we didn't do it this year, obviously, for COVID yeah. reasons. But um, it's a very, um, it's Mardi Gras style, but it's also very uniquely Detroit, where you have just all these people show up in, um, in the area down there by um, Traffic Jam and Snug, because um, the, the course is from Traffic Jam and Snug down to the Masonic Temple. And you probably have over a thousand people marching in the streets <laughs> in red attire. And it's very, very cool. The, the parade itself is very, very cool. But it's the third Sunday um, of every March and uh, it's, it's so uniquely Detroit. Um, it, it's kind of, uh, I don't wanna say your patriotic duty, but your Michigan duty. Uh, to show up for at least one parade and help escort the Nine Rouge out of Michigan. I'm glad
0: you included the, de- this, the description. Uh, we actually, we're running short, we're running out of time. Oh no, I yeah. know, right? So I, I need to do a shout out to the Reverend Robert Duchesne and Nicole who were on the last show. Uh, Lisa in Thunder Bay, Canada. She, just, she did a thing recently at a general store where she had excessive uh, battery drainage. Uh, Danny Perez is from Connecticut. He runs a museum where they pick up uh, things that are supposedly haunted. Mm-hmm. He just picked up a, uh, from an exorcist. He picked up a doll with a malicious demonic attachment. He stores those things. Oh, my goodness, that, yeah. And then uh, Pat Moss Library in Jamestown. Shout out to them. Brandon and I went out there.
2: Yeah, that was a fun presentation out there. Yeah, so. we
0: did a presentation on ghost hunting. Did a little. Mm-hmm mock ghost hunt with them out there because they think they have some stuff happening uh mary bassett our friend she does the radio so shout out to her and he, kelly here at WKTV. Uh, shout out to her shout out to uh, maddie court who's pushing the buttons for us tonight uh, we must be getting real close we got oh, i just want to under- add
2: too because like you said the last one you didn't have the video for it so you might want to post, like, where they can, or say where they can listen to right. it. Right. For ones that normally be. Yeah, used.
0: so that's kind of under, under upcoming. But, uh, yeah, you can find us, if you want to watch it, at the Whole Picture podcast. If you want to just listen to it, you can get us at the journal, at WKTV Journal.
2: And the last podcast, you have to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. we don't have video right? for that yeah, one. So. Yeah.
0: But um, you can also watch it, Spotify or Amazon, some other places, too, or listen to it, not watch it. Mm-hmm. but. Yeah, so do, you can listen to that when it, on the journal. Upcoming, Shetan, you got upcoming stuff?
3: Oh, yes. Actually, next week I begin um, my fall series of classes at um, the Kellogg Community College um, Paranormal History of the Great Lakes. And then this spring I will be teaching Paranormal History of the Great Lakes at hopefully both Kellogg and Owens Community College. But I will be offering an additional course, that's separate from that on cryptozoology of North America. Um, and each week we cover a different style of cryptids. Ooh. So, first week is like Bigfoot and Dogman. Next week is Lake Monsters. Third week is Flying Cryptids. And then the fourth week is stuff that just doesn't fall into any of those yeah. categories that uh, people have made claims of, of experiencing and witnessing and, uh, you know, just getting the information out there so. yeah get over
0: there and get and you could almost use your book here for a textbook <laughs> <laughs> i know we have uh, upcoming uh monday nights at 11 p.m you can see us on tv on comcast channel 25 or UVerse channel 99 it also streams live from wktv uh, and coming up we have bill konkoleski next month That's why this guy here is a little (laughs) early here. Uh, The alien showed up for a bill show. He's a couple weeks early. We had Todd Clements coming at the end of next month.
3: Yay! Yeah.
0: Uh, We're gonna have to skip final thought, really. Um, Upcoming, also, our friend Mary Bassett is opening up a shop in Hastings and she's gonna have a grand opening for her new expanded shop and that's November 14th between 11 and five. Esther Joy, our friend, is going to do a thing at the paddock place october 30th and 31st from 6 to 11 p.m she's doing tarot readings and they're doing mansion tours brandon are you doing well, our, something there our
2: team uh, kent county paranormal will be out there as well we'll be kind of we are doing like a podcast on friday and then halloween we're doing like a walkthrough presentation kind of a Some evidence we had in previous investigation there. So, so right
0: here in Grand Rapids, get out to that. I mean, that place is definitely haunted. There's some really weird things. If you can get up to that third floor, they let you walk around there, so get out there. I like to leave us with inspirational things, and so I'm going to end the show on this. This quote has been quoted by Abraham Lincoln. It's been also... Other people have said the same thing, Nelson Mandela. But it really goes back to Confucius. And Confucius says, Our greatest glory is not in never f- falling, but in rising every time we fall. Now, I realize right now we're not in good shape here in this country, but what I see in our community, in my community, is people helping each other out. Yeah. And so keep that up. You know, together we can get through this. We're down right now, but we can rise again. So, I mean, that's it. Another great show. It it goes so fast. Peace out, everybody.
3: Bye. Happy Halloween. Happy
0: Halloween. (laughs) Family-owned Palermo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300.
3: The opinions expressed
0: in the preceding program are those of the producer, and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media.